0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Ecom hot seat, the podcast where we put e-commerce entrepreneurs literally in the hot seat to extract actionable tips, nuggets of information that we can do um, in a fairly short form format to give you something actionable that you can go ahead and apply within your business, whether you are a marketer or a brand owner yourself. Um, Today's guest uh, is the CEO and founder of Shed Defender, uh, Tyson Waters. Tyson, thank you so much for, for joining me and coming on here and accepting my invite.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome, cool. So
0: I'm just about to actually start the 20 minute timer as I always do, Better with me. Okay, sweet, we are rolling. So right. start by kind of just introducing us to the brand, how long you've been around, what led to the formation of the brand and what you were doing beforehand?
1: Yeah, so, you know, initially I came up with the idea It started with one product, it was the Shed Defender and it's a onesie that you put on the dog and it contains the shedding. So before you go in the house, the car, uh, if you take your dog to family and friends' houses, um, it just contains the shedding within the suit. So there's less cleanup, things like that. Um, I have a St. Bernard Harley. She's what, just over 12 years old right now. And she was the inspiration behind it. So there was nothing else on the market. So I put it upon myself to make one. Um, it was after college and I believe, 2011. And I moved home and had my mom start selling the first prototype and then hired a seamstress and then started working on what type of fabric to use and the sizes and all that. And it took years and years to get done. Um, and then finally, in 2016, one article from The Dodo came out. And then it just went viral overnight. So it went from a little passion project selling three to five a month to having a thousand orders in a week. So I had to grow up real quick and get the business moving. And I mean, at that time, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Since then, from then to, you know, fast forward now, we have about 10 different products, uh, a bunch of different sales channels, um, and we're continually to grow and grow and grow. Um, And yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's been a long, tedious trip, but very rewarding. So uh, it's great.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned uh, there's a couple of things that I want to unpack from uh, what it is that you said there. So you mentioned you have multiple sales channels now. I'm assuming it wasn't always that way. So kind of where did you guys start out as your primary sales channel?
1: That was just online. I built a site on what was it? Um, I can't even remember. I think WordPress was my first site. I just spent a couple hours building it. And that's where all the revenue was coming from. Um, and we're doing that for the first maybe six months. And then the next step was to get on Amazon. And then that continually grew and grew and grew. And to date, Amazon's probably about 65% of our uh, of our sales now.
0: Okay. Awesome. Cool. How important has diversification been towards the overall brand strategy? And was it something that you consciously thought, thought of um, at the inception of the brand? Or is it something that just kind of happened organically?
1: Um, kind of happened organically. I mean, I honestly, I'd rather just have sales on my site. I mean, you get the best margins, best customer interaction, customer support, uh, feedback and things like that. But you know, people just tend to things on Amazon. They want their two-day shipping. So we kind of had to pivot a little bit and realize, you know, you kind of have to be on the biggest sales platform on the planet. So between, you know, we sell on Chewy.com as well. So that's a good uh, mix. So for our brand, I think it works out uh, pretty well, pretty good sales mix. And, um, you know, it gives everyone the option to purchase on different area some people just feel more confident buying on chewy or directly from us with a discount maybe or for that but um it's worked well to kind of diversify and sell on different channels
0: i'm assuming on amazon do you guys do any ppc
1: yeah we do so um i actually have an agency based out of india um that does mine and they do a fantastic job for us
0: awesome do you guys spend at all on any paid social acquisition too
1: uh yeah so that's where most of our advertising dollar goes is well amazon ppc and then um yeah google and facebook and instagram um the best way to stretch your dollar for advertising spend get it in front of people um for us it's worked fairly well
0: mm-hmm. and kind of being in the trenches daily how have you seen uh the recent ios changes uh, affect your advertising has it led you to make any pivots um, most of yeah,
1: time. so you know we have an agency that helps us out with you know does all our social and you know we're in constant contact with them and yeah it's been it's been a pain um, that really threw you know threw us out uh, the loop so there's a lot of changes you know you're not seeing as many conversions come through um, you know most people are opting out of tracking so it's there's other ways you can kind of pick them up but. Uh, yeah, the reporting has changed quite a bit. so you kind of have to get creative with it and uh, you're not going to see as good as returns, but we still see constant sales and traffic and things like that. so we can kind of we can still see that it's working. We just have different uh, metrics to kind of measure how well we're doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> probably the most notable thing that um, any brand can do, especially if you're spending heavily on paid social at the moment because, you know, you mentioned you have to, especially now, you have to change the way you look at your advertising returns, because previously you could go into your Facebook ads manager and it was fairly simply broken down. You might have a 10, 20% difference to what the actual number was. But um, nowadays it's, it's more like 50, 60, and in some cases even higher than that to, to actually being able to track your, your advertising spend uh, and your return. So are you guys using more of like an MER, marketing efficiency ratio approach now?
1: Yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, I don't know, to be honest, all the technical aspects of it. Um, I mean, I'm up to date with it all, but I just know their reporting to me is different when I look at it, it's different. Um, but just continuity of the site, like, you know, between our sales and seeing kind of where the traffic comes from just from our site. Um, it hasn't dropped any. It's just the reporting that's mainly been our big thing. And then uh, I guess how to attract customers to where they're going into more interest groups compared to like audience targeting, um, things like that. But once again, I'm definitely not the expert in that category. So I don't want to get too technical because I'll probably make a fool of myself.
0: (laughs) Great. So you 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 sell a lot on Amazon. You mentioned 65% of your sales come from Amazon. One of the big issues that I hear from brands that are uh, kind of heavily indexed on Amazon is the retention side of things. Obviously, traditionally, if you have a Shopify store, you capture email addresses and phone numbers. What has your strategy been around trying to retain customers and re-engage customers after initially purchasing from you?
1: I mean, that's the hardest part. One, you don't know where they came from so they could have clicked on Google they could have been on your site you have no idea Amazon does not share those analytics which sucks um, emailing them I mean technically you're not supposed to like contact them at all uh, but you can try and get around that you know as long as you uh, follow their terms of service and such things like that but um, it's tough. So there's not a whole lot you can do. It's just if they do reach out to you, you just got to respond quickly. Uh, Make sure they're always right, no matter what, because it's all about the reviews on Amazon. So one bad review will kill you. I mean, I went from one product. We just launched our soft chew supplements for dogs. And we had like 25 star reviews. We got like number one new seller on Amazon, our little, uh, little trophy placard thing. And so... We're selling 30, 50 a day, you know, just on the launch. And then three bad reviews came in because one dog didn't like the taste. One customer said it wasn't as good as a, their prescription medication, which we know it's not, it's not prescription. Um, so, and that dropped us down and obviously the next day sales dropped down to one, two, three a day. So it's all about that ranking, all about those reviews. And it is so difficult no perfect system to figure it out but um reviews is huge and then back to your main question is like we try and piggyback our other products off it so like you can bundle them together frequently bought items discount one you buy one get our leash for 50 percent off things like that um, or drive them to our store instead of just a product page uh, so then they can see all our products and hopefully buy the soft juice supplements which you know, they buy monthly instead of, you know, you buy a onesie and they don't come back for six months to buy. So we have these other products like the shampoos that hopefully will get them to keep coming back and buying on a regular basis.
0: Awesome. And how important start kind of starting a brand based on one product, how important has it been to add more products into the mix to A, increase the retention and B, increase your average ticket price? Um, And was there a time where You kind of did that. You launched your your first kind of uh, complementary product, let's say, um, and you noticed a a pretty big difference in uh, ticket price and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's extremely hard. When I first got into it, I just thought, hey, this one product's doing well. You know, we got on Shark Tank back in 2018, all this publicity. But the problem is, yeah, you have one product that you're, you know, they probably don't need more than two or three year tops you really realize you're not getting the returning customers and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, the new products, the leashes, the soft juice, It we didn't see an uptick just yet uh, immediately, but eventually it took a while to start upselling and getting people intrigued in trees and all those products, but that was the idea behind it. Yeah, average order value, had them keep coming back. Um, it would be harder to survive just off one product. So expanding the product portfolio was absolutely huge.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there, is there a part of your business that is also wholesale or are you solely kind of direct to consumer e-commerce?
1: So we do some wholesale to some small mom and pop shops. And then, you know, 2020 was supposed to be our big year to get into brick and mortar, but obviously COVID changed the whole landscape. So we put that on the back burner and, you know, it's just hard. A lot of these big box stores aren't taking new SKUs. Um, I mean, you go and half the shelves are empty anyways at these pet stores. So, you know, we're not sure if we'll go into the big box stores, if it's, it doesn't look like it's even trending to be that favorable anymore since everything's just e-commerce. Um, but there's still a lot of small mom and pop shops or veterinary clinics that buy our products and stuff like that. So we're still interested in getting to that space, but we kind of see ourselves staying in the e-commerce brand, um, probably for the long run.
0: Mm-hmm. Sweet, okay. Um, <clears throat> in terms of like the, um, you're, you're on pace to, you mentioned just before we got on air, hopefully I'm okay to mention this, you're on pace to do about 2.5 million gross sales this year. Um, how has it been for you in terms of, you mentioned, you, know, you, you don't really have a business background. You kind of stumbled on this uh, as like a passion project, which you know turned into um, you know something massively successful. How has it been for you learning lessons around hiring? Have you been able to scale this brand pretty uh, to, to the level you have done with a fairly lean team or what does your team look like?
1: Yeah, so right now we're still pretty small. Um, it's me, uh, my sister-in-law, does some marketing, and she she does part time. She's pretty involved with a lot of aspects of the business. Uh, we bounce things off each other, and um, she's my number two. And then actually, we have one customer service rep. And then other than that, it's uh, we have like some subcontractors, some people who help around the office. There's no other full time people, just other agencies and things like that. Um, I think next year is when we'll probably have to scale up and get our own warehouse and bigger office space and probably hiring uh, because there's just certain things the day-to-day stuff just holds me down you know and is it's hard to get everything done in one day given all the little monotonous small things so I need to find someone who can help me out with that and then you know expand and grow the business because it's it's getting too much to handle on my own at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so in terms of selling on Amazon then, what would you say to because diversification is like what anyone talks about at the moment in e-commerce, especially with you know loads of D2C brands being so heavily focused on paid social acquisition and now that not being um what it used to be. Um so, what would you say to a brand that is looking to start selling on Amazon? Would you would you kind of define some criteria for a specific type of product that you see would have the most success on Amazon? Uh, what, what have been your learnings uh, with that process?
1: Um, I mean, there's it's hard to say. I mean, I personally do like the pet industry. It's one of the fastest growing industries out there. Um, Amazon caters to it really well, and especially during COVID, I mean, sales just went through the roof. People were adopting dogs, rescuing dogs. Um, I mean, the industry expanded, like just in the United States, I think it's over a hundred billion dollars right now. Um, So the pet space is a great business to be in. Uh, There's certain areas where it's getting a bit crowded, but um, the only other thing I would say is watch out, for any apparel so our dog onesie is kind of apparel amazon there's a lot of returns and dealing with the returns is a pain in the butt so i wouldn't do an apparel product again because you can't just wash it and even like put it out there again like it's kind of just write it off and move on so like with our soft chew supplements or shampoos or leashes the returns are very minimal and much easier so have a product that's going to have a very low return rate if possible and make your life easier. And it won't eat up your, your margins as much.
0: Sweet. And I've heard like, I don't know if you've heard these stories, but I've heard some horror stories of like brands that have done well on Amazon. And then like Amazon brings out their own version of the same product um, and basically like kicks your listing to the side. Um, I heard it happen with like a, a kids' um, diapers brand uh, a few years ago. Um, what have you guys done, being in the space that you're in, um, to protect your IP um, and to really make yourself stand out from, as you said, the, the crowd in the market?
1: Yeah, I've heard stories too, and I mean, they do tend to do that because they can make it cheaper. They can boost their listing. I mean, it's they have monopoly on it. It's kind of cruel um, what they do and. I know they just got sued by some big companies um, uh, because of they're doing that and they're promoting their product over someone else's and all that. But I mean, you just put the IP, I mean, trademarks, we have some patents going on. Um, But I mean, I don't know how much you could really do if they try and do it. But I feel like for the most part, uh, it's usually not like specialized products. Like I don't see them coming and just copying my onesie. But the problem I do have is these Chinese companies that come in and they're just make. They're not technically knockoffs because they don't use my name, but they're they are knockoffs my products and they're super cheap. They're absolutely horrible. They try and use my pictures. So I get them knocked off on Amazon. I have to continually check it daily to make sure they're not stealing my stuff. Um, but the product is just a piece of crap. It's cheap. I get some of their returns somehow. I don't know how. And like the products are just absolutely terrible. They're like 15 bucks takes two months to come over from, from China. So that's the main thing is these Chinese companies come in and just blow up the ruin your price point and everything else. So I know they're trying to crack down on that, but uh, the foreign companies kind of put a, a real pain in the butt when it comes to that
0: fair enough awesome we've got about two minutes left so i just wanted to finish up with one last thing um which you said earlier that i found really really interesting is uh you mentioned you guys have been featured on shark tank what was that experience like and what were the uh, if you can disclose any outcomes from that process
1: yeah so we did it back in 2018 and that was a great experience. I mean, to be on that show, I wanted to be on for years and years and years. And years. Everyone was always like, you need to get on the show. Um, so they finally reached out to us and we went on and nerve wracking. I mean, yeah, you're up there in front of those guys and you got to deliver your pitch and hope it goes well and it did. So we got three offers. We ended up going to deal with Lori. Um, but eventually we parted ways and didn't finalize the deal. We didn't think it was going to be beneficial for either party. So it helps with sales for like, you know, a few weeks, you know, you kind of skyrocket and then eventually it kind of goes back to where you were. People forget, you know, it's only out there for so long. So it was a good experience. It was good exposure. Um, And then it kind of led to us getting some private equity, From another company uh, a few months down the road which definitely kind of helped our expansion and helped us as like a strategic partner which is what we wanted instead of just someone trying to celebrity trying to promote our product so it ended up being a really good experience
0: yeah the reason i ask is because a i've never spoken to somebody who's been on um, that and over here in the uk we have uh, an equivalent which is dragon's den Uh, right recent i've been seeing like in my facebook and instagram feed just a ton of uh, brands that have been featured on these, um, either Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, really hammering home uh, like ad creatives specifically on Facebook and Instagram of the actual episode, like you know clips from it um, that you know you giving your pitch, et cetera, et cetera. Have you guys tried that at all?
1: Yeah, we have. So we've done a couple. Um, and it works pretty well. We like to use you know tell people as seen on Shark Tank, it has like a you know, credibility factor um things like that so that's a huge plus as well so we leverage it as much as we can um we don't like have any current ads running with the video clips in it i mean we're what three years out from it but we definitely did it first and it was a pretty good resource to have
0: awesome fantastic well our timer has literally just gone off um lovely nice short punchy episode and i think we got through a lot of questions there as well normally we only manage about four or five but we went through a lot more there so thank you so much again for accepting my invite um thank you so much to everybody who listened or watched on youtube um if you are watching on youtube please uh, like subscribe uh, leave a comment uh, if you found anything valuable what specifically did you find valuable from the episode whether it was uh, tyson's perspective on you know amazon diversification etc cetera, etc cetera. leave a comment um and i'll get back to you there um and yeah lastly i just want to say thank you again so much um if you're listening like subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode soon take care bye thanks